Good morning. Fist bumps all around here. I like it. I don't get any fist bumps at the 915. You, know, you just kind of show up and it's business, right? Here you get fist bumps. I like it. I like you guys. Oh, there's one right there. Anyone else? Yeah, come on. Fist bump it. Fist bump it. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Okay, I got to run out of time. That's it. Love you guys. This is great. One right there. Air fist bump. Good. I'll take it. Thanks, Whitney, for sharing. Uh, so good to hear some of her story. We had the privilege of being out there uh, with her and a bunch of you guys uh, for Colorado LT. Shameless plug for Summer LT. Okay, it's a shameful plug. Um, but yes, LT is fantastic. Uh, we got to see Whitney and other people be transformed uh, by God and his work uh, in their lives. Um, but it, it also, for me, brought up uh, a very troubling season of life because I realized somewhere in this last year, uh, now that I'm 36 years old, I've lived an entire 18 years of life past high school graduation. Uh, so I'm feeling old, and it's been a little uh, disorienting for me. It's probably the beginning of a, of a full-fledged midlife crisis that I'm upon here. So if you see me cruising around in a motorcycle soon, you know uh, it has hit me hard. Um, but maybe it's just because I you know, spend a lot of time with college students, but it's easy for me to reflect on, oh, what was I like uh, back then? And, and I guess you guys who know me can probably picture the 18-year-old Kyle Winters was uh, even more uh, troubled than I am uh, today. Um, but I remember just being a season of life, for me at least, that was just like, I kind of know what the world is all about, right? You kind of had that coming out of high school. Maybe you guys experienced that last year. Maybe you're still living in that zone right now, and that's okay. Uh, grace to you. But there's a season of life a lot of times where we have this uh, thought of, I kind of know what the world is all about, right? I've been in, through grade school. My teachers are teaching me. I kind of know what they're talking about. People may give me wisdom or input, but they're just kind of like, uh, talking heads or voices that I hear. I'm like, okay, I, I think I have this figured out. The whole world is before me. I get to go off to college. I get to explore uh, the world. And I remember being like that. And then I remember this being the season in my life where people shared the most Proverbs with me of any season in my life when I was young and just in college. And I should have started like cluing in of there's probably a reason that people are sharing these, these with me. Like, as a dog returns to its vomit, so a fool repeats his folly. Like, yeah, yeah, dogs. Can't believe them. They do that. That's gross. No wonder cats are the better pet. Am I right? Come on. Oh, oh polarizing, polarizing. Sorry. <laughs> or there is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end it leads to death. That was something that was shared to me. I'm like, oh, yeah, I know guys like that. They think it's right, but they're heading down the wrong way. But I was kind of missing the point of that's actually being shared for me and how I'm living my life. There's times in our lives where uh, we need wisdom, right? I would say probably all the time. We need help. We need knowledge. We need the wisdom of God. Uh, and there's seasons of life, like that one was for me, uh, where we can be quite stubborn to it, right? Or we can be looking to the wrong things for help, for knowledge, for wisdom, uh, for guidance in our lives, right? And as I look back on it, I think, man, I was so desperate for wisdom then. And the older I've gotten, the more I've seen how much I didn't know back then, but even more so how much I am still desperate for guidance, for help, for wisdom uh, today in my life. And so I'm thankful for uh, hearing Whitney's story, just that she has got some of that, uh, and she is already living that out and far more mature than I was back then. Um, but James, we're in the middle of James, and, and he poses this question uh, that I would have had a quick answer to back then. Um, and it's this, who is wise and understanding among you? Who is wise and understanding among you? And I just want that question to just kind of sit here for a minute. 
because if you haven't been with us, I want to catch you guys up to speed. So James is the half-brother of Jesus, and he is writing to Jewish Christians about how to live out their faith. And he's very practical and very hard-hitting. It's been a very challenging uh, series that we're in. And so if you have been with us, you probably know by this point um, that James asking a question like this, he's probably setting us up for something, right? Like if James were here reading this letter to us, and he said, who is wise and understanding among you? You probably wouldn't want to raise your hand, right? You're like, he's setting me up. Something hard-hitting is coming, right? You're probably even looking for a scapegoat to deflect a little bit. Like, oh, Aziz, he does office hours. He's wise and understanding. James, pick on him. Do him, do him, right? Because James will set us up, and then he'll hit us super hard with truth. James does not pull any punches when he's addressing his Christian readers. He's a little intense, He cuts to the chase. And so far, he's schooled us on a number of topics. He's talked about hardship and joy, about being doers of God's word and not just hearers. He's talked to us about mercy and judgment, about faith and action, faith that's actually living. And he's talked to us about speech. And now he is gearing us up for wisdom. So let me pray, and then we'll jump into James 3. Lord, thanks for this morning, and I just thank you that your word is alive and active. Uh, Just thank you for Whitney's story, and just a great example of someone who's just in the midst of wrestling uh, with seeking you and seeking your wisdom. God, I pray that you would uh, bestow some of that wisdom on us uh, this morning, that we would hear from you, that you would speak to our hearts. pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. If you have a Bible, you can open it to James 3. If not, we will have it uh, on the screen for you guys. So this is the question he asks. He asks, who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show it by his good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. Okay, again, if you've been with us, you may remember some of this echoing James 2, where he talked about faith and works, faith in action. It echoes that sentiment of show me. Show me your faith. If someone's wise among you, let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in humility that comes from wisdom. Show me. True wisdom does not live uh, in the the realm of the cerebral. It's not just in knowledge or good notions as much as it is in good and useful actions, deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. You know, I picked on Aziz a minute ago. Uh, I actually see this uh, in his life. This is one of the things I love about Aziz is he's a very smart man. He knows a lot. He's studied a lot of God's truth and wisdom. Maybe you guys have been to office hours uh, and asked him questions, um, but he has a meekness to him, a humility. That's the first thing we see here is that true wisdom is hallmarked by humility. Other translations use the word meekness here or or gentleness. The literal meaning is, is this controlled strength of domestic animals. That's the meaning used here. It's hallmarked by humility. That's probably not something if we think about in the world, if we were to go around and pull people, what makes you wise? What is a hallmark of wisdom? I don't know if humility would really be at the top of the list, right? Maybe top 10 in some circles. It's hallmarked by humility, gentleness. The Bible talks about wisdom a ton. It actually personifies wisdom a bunch. In Scripture, 
And one of the most powerful passages on it, I think, is in Proverbs 8. So you guys can read along to this. Does not wisdom call out? Does not understanding raise her voice? At the highest point along the way where the paths meet, she takes her stand beside the gate leading into the city. At the entrance, she cries aloud, to you, O people, I call out. I raise my voice to all mankind. You who are simple, gain prudence. You who are foolish, set your hearts on it. It's like it's talking to my 18-year-old self. Choose my instruction instead of silver. Or sorry, listen, for I have trustworthy things to say. I open my lips to speak what is right. My mouth speaks what is true. For my lips detest wickedness. All the words in my mouth are just. None of them is crooked or perverse. To the discerning, all of them are right. They are upright to those who have found knowledge. Choose my instruction instead of silver. Knowledge rather than choice gold. For wisdom is more precious than rubies. And nothing you desire can compare with her. What a powerful description of wisdom, right? And there's this picture you see in scripture of people seeking it. Pursuing wisdom. Wisdom is more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with her. It's so powerful. And we don't have to, time to read the whole, whole chapter there, but it goes on in Proverbs 8. And then it ends with this. You guys don't have this, but I'll just read it to you. It says, For whoever finds me, talking about wisdom, finds life and receives favor from the Lord. But whoever fails to find me harms himself. All who hate me love death. That's pr- pretty strong, right? All who hate me love death death. And James has actually already invited his readers to seek wisdom. Uh, in, in chapter 1, he said, if any one of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. Right? It hits on that posture of humility. Seek wisdom, and God will give it to you. And now he's exhorting the wise person or the wise people to show it in a lifestyle of faith lived out in that, that bridled strength of gentleness, of humility. This meekness, this gentleness, actually reflects uh, Jesus' life. He said, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. If there's anyone who had power and strength, it was Jesus, right? But yet he showed gentleness, meekness, humility. This is our call to reflect that as we seek godly wisdom, to let humility be a hallmark of it. And the more humble we are, well, the more we'll seek God's wisdom. And the more wise we become, the more we'll live it out in, in humility and gentleness in our lives. This is not the message of the world, is, is it, right? What we see more is, is what James turns his attention to next, which is false wisdom. Verse 14. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual of the devil. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. Boom. That's intense, right? That's intense language describing false wisdom. And he's saying, look, humility is a hallmark of true wisdom. False wisdom is hallmarked by envy and selfish ambition. Envy and selfish ambition. 
And those may sound like intense words, right? We probably don't walk around every day thinking, oh man, I'm so envious. Oh, I have so much selfish ambition. Just can't contain it, right? But we're prone to those things. This is the way the world lives around us. It's all about the self, right? It's rooted in what is best for me, what's right for me. I was in Target uh, a few weeks ago and I, found, I saw this book. I'm not trying to be provocative. I didn't like look up, oh, what's a provocative book I could show that would be like swearing at church without really swearing? But this is what it is. You are a bad A. I blurted it out for you guys, for your, for your innocent eyes. <laughs> How to stop doubting your greatness and start living an awesome life. Look at that. Two million copies sold. That's before this one was even printed. So the number is growing. But I saw this and I just thought, okay, I haven't read the book, so I'm totally judging a book by its cover, and I, I apologize for doing that. It probably has some great principles in there. But this sells so easily to our culture, right? Because we're so fixated on ourselves. What's best for us? We're so driven by self. We want to understand our greatness. I want to stop doubting my greatness. I just want to embrace my greatness. Tell me how to do that, right? We want to live an awesome life. Who doesn't want that? Right? This is a story of Harry Potter and Frodo Baggins and Thomas Anderson, who becomes Neo in the Matrix, right? Become who you were meant to be. Unlock your greatness. Recent uh, Mazda commercials I've seen just basically string together a bunch of platitudes. Do your thing. Be driven. Spread your wings. Feel alive. What is, I'm not even sure what that really means. <laughs> but we want that, right? That resonates with us. I want to spread my wings. I want to feel alive. But at some point, the platitudes get old, don't they? I mean, do we live in a world that is, that is really experiencing freedom and life? No, we're not. I'll answer my own question. Right? We need to try harder. We need to perform. Whitney talked about this a little bit in her slice. Part of her story was just figuring out, feeling like I needed to perform, to try harder. And then I don't know if you caught this, but she talks about how freeing it was to surrender some of those things. It's so freeing. I heard Matt Chandler talk about this, and he just painted a great picture of it. He's a pastor at a village church down in uh, the Dallas area. And he, he said, people who are, so, are miserable work so hard to convince others that they're not miserable. And he, he posed this question. He's like, do you... Can you think of anyone that you know that is so, so, so consumed with self and so content in that? Right? We probably have people in our lives that it's kind of like, okay, it's your world. I'm just living in it, right? Everything is about self and about them. And are they least content, right? And when we struggle this, when we feel this in our lives, we can feel trapped by it, right? Not content. Not free. Selfish ambition and envy. Right? There's always someone in our way. Someone with something better than how we have it or better than ourselves. Right? We get caught up in this quest for self. And then James says, if, if you have this in your heart, don't boast about it and deny the truth. Because this is counter gospel. This is not the gospel message to get a leg up on the next person, to boast about our greatness or how awesome we are, or to even envy them secretly. That's not the gospel. The gospel gives us a far different story, doesn't it? 
I mean, who, who wants to read a book that says, you are a mess. Stop doubting your brokenness and start living a humble life. That's not gonna be a bestseller, is it? I'll just put that on the shelf of books that I own but don't actually read. Like Humilitas, I saw that on my bookshelf this week. Humilitas, probably about humility, just a Greek version of something I don't really wanna hear about in English. So <laughs> there it is, it's on the shelf. That's the message of the gospel though, right? We are broken and we can find freedom and wholeness and healing by living a humble life. Jesus shows us a better way. If you want to be the greatest, be the least. If you want to be a leader, be a servant of all. If you want to find that awesome life, you lose it. Right? Spread your wings on your daily cross and die for others. Right? That's what Jesus modeled for us. That's the gospel. And I think this is why we're so compelled by the Harry Potters and the Frodo's and the Neo's. It's not because of their journeys of self-actualization. It's because they were willing to lay down their lives for a cause greater than themselves. That's the thing that stirs in us, right? There's something beyond just ourselves and the pursuit of self and what's best for me. So let's keep going in James here. He, uh, he talks about the false wisdom, and then he, he, he describes the sources of this false wisdom. He says, Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, of the devil. Okay, so we're going to unpack each one of those a little bit. Earthly, he's just talking about the here and now. This is a source of false wisdom, is what is in front of us. What is in the world before our eyes? What's that thing that'll really make us happy, but then when we get it, it doesn't really satisfy, right? The ways of the world. I got a, I watched for Christmas last year, series three, I was very proud of it, and I used it some, it tracked uh, my fitness, which uh, it wasn't doing a lot of tracking this past year, um, but the idea was great, and I would use it some, and I was like, okay, this is, this is kind of cool, it'll track different things, um, but then, just recently, I, I had a little bit of disappointment because now they've come out with Series 4. And, and their whole commercial for it is, there's a better you in you. So I don't know how long Apple sat around thinking about that one, but that's their slogan. There's a better you in you. And so I couldn't help but thinking, okay, 10 months after I got this one, there's a new one. And, you know, I've struggled to, to, to be fit, to exercise, to do these things that I want to do. And now I, and now I know why. I don't have the series four watch. <laughs> I, just, I just reached the normal me in me and I, I need the better one. All right, that may be a silly example, but we, we live this way, right? And we have this perspective of the next big thing. What is in front of us? What are we seeking? The here and now that's before us. Is that the source of our wisdom? Jesus tells this parable in Luke 12. He says, The land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, What shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I, I will say to my soul, <laughs> for this part, I will say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. I love that self-talk there, self you have it good. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. That's kind of the end game for our culture, right? 
Don't we kind of pursue this American dream with hopes that one day we'll get to this point? You have good goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. But then Jesus goes on, he says, but God said to him, fool, this night your soul is required of you and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. Ooh. That's earthly. It's the here and the now. James also says it's unspiritual. And basically meaning that there, there's God's out of the picture. There's nothing of the governance of God in our lives. It literally means animal-like. And I just want to share with you a few verses that have stood out to me as I've gotten older and I've kind of reflected on my life. I'm like, oh, animal-like. That's actually a pretty good description. Psalm 73 says, uh, 22 says, I was senseless and ignorant. I was a brute beast before you. I'm like, amen, amen, I was. I probably still am. <laughs> Jeremiah 31, this totally obscure verse, but it, it just resonates with me. It says, I have surely heard Ephraim, Ephraim's moaning. You disciplined me like an unruly calf, and I have been disciplined. Restore me, and I will return, because you are the Lord my God. <laughs> and I look back on my life, I'm like, oh, there were times in my life that I, I lived this out. I was like an unruly calf, like a brute beast. I was not ruled by Jesus. I was ruled by just what I felt like doing, what I wanted to do. Whether it's how I spent my time, or if I got mad, how I would respond to it, how I got responded when I got discouraged, just driven by emotion. I was tempted to do that on the way here because of this race that was around campus, and it took 30 minutes for me to get here from down the street. I should have just walked. I was thinking, all those runners, you, you should be glad my brute beast is not taking over right now because I will mow you down. <laughs> I didn't really think that, but I think I was tempted. I have to confess. But we live this way, right? It's so easy for us to just be ruled by what feels right to us, what is before us, what we feel like doing, and, and take God out of the picture, out of the equation. That is a false wisdom. And finally, he says, it's of the devil. It's based on lies. You guys, we have an enemy who is constantly lying to us day and night. The Bible talks about Satan, that when he lies, he's speaking his native language. You're being peppered with lies nonstop about God, about ourselves, about truth. And when we buy into these lies, we're buying into this false wisdom, right, that's of the devil or of evil, right? And we can even be ruled by these things. Right? I'm sure if you guys sat for a minute and thought about it, you could probably think of one lie at least that has a hold on your life. I'm too fill in the blank. I'm never gonna be this way, X, Y, Z. These people think I'm whatever. God thinks I'm blank. God's disappointed in me. Right? And we can buy into those lives. And that becomes the source of what we look to for guidance and wisdom, right? We can be ruled by it. And then we see the fruit of, of these things, of this type of false wisdom. He says in verse 16, For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. So he's giving us the source of these things, and he's saying when you see selfish ambition and envy, you find disorder in every evil practice. That's, that's very strong language, isn't it? It's sobering. 
If you guys are Stranger Things fans, it's kind of like the upside-down world, right, that we're living in. It's the upside-down of all that is good. And it becomes our reality, right, when we live in that space, when we're so consumed by self, selfish ambition, or envy. Do you guys see this in your life? We see this all over the place in the world, don't we? The fruit of this. Disorder in every evil practice. It's kind of like, I liken it to a, um, just an ever-flowing river of false wisdom that's there, right? And our, our world is just thirsty, and it's just lapping it up. Because deep down, we want wisdom. We want guidance. We want to know, right? And decisions in our lives that we need to make on a day-to-day basis. We want guidance. We're looking to things for guidance. Our, our world is so thirsty, So how are you guys tempted to drink from that? How are you tempted to embrace false wisdom, some of the messages you hear from the world around you? Maybe it's being swept up in the here and now. You're in this culture of performance, and so you feel like you need to perform. You need to achieve success, comfort down the road, maybe the bigger barns, the material stuff, your reputation, Maybe for some of you, it's just, it's letting what feels right or best dictate what actually is right or best or is from God. Well, I feel this way, so this must be true. Or I feel this way, so I I need to do this. Brothers, maybe it's just a struggle to live by truth. Maybe we're just so ensnared by lies in our lives that it's a struggle for us to actually live out what we actually know intellectually is true. It's sobering, isn't it? When I think about my life, I'm like, oh, I'm so challenged by this. There's so much that I'm tempted to glean from the wisdom of the world instead of looking to God for his wisdom. Okay, are you guys all sad now? (laughs) That's it. Let's pray. (laughs) So he turns the corner to true wisdom. All right? This is true wisdom. It's the happy time. Well, the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Oh, those sound nice, don't they? I would love my life to be characterized by these things. Pure, it's free from those things that that characterize false wisdom. It is peace-loving. It delights in peace and it promotes peace. It's considerate. It's reasonable. It's thoughtful. It's submissive. It's willing to yield. It's not fighting for for its own rights, but it's open to reason. It's full of mercy and good fruit. It shows compassion to those in need. It's characterized by good deeds. It's impartial. It doesn't show favoritism. And it's sincere. It's genuine. It's not hypocritical. That is the fruit of true wisdom, of godly wisdom. When we seek it in humility, we're desperate for it. This is the fruit of seeking godly wisdom and true wisdom. And then he ends with verse 18. It says, Peacemakers who sow in peace raise a harvest of righteousness. Harvest of righteousness. Doesn't that sound like an awesome life? Harvest of righteousness. It's found through God's wisdom. Sowing in peace. Sowing in God's wisdom. 
And the righteousness here is not just talking about the imputed righteousness. When we put our faith in Christ, we have right standing before God. It's talking about righteous living, that we can actually live out these things that we talk about and desire to live out. We can actually live out our faith when we seek God's wisdom. Jesus says in Luke 7 that wisdom is proved right by her children. Again, personifying wisdom. It's proved right by her children. It's shown by her children. If it's true wisdom, you're going to see the fruit of that. You're going to see these things in our lives. And all throughout Scripture, you see this, this principle of reaping what you sow. Right? It's something that you don't really need to be a farmer to understand. That principle of what you plant, that is what will grow. What you work towards, that is the fruit that's going to come from it. I've really recently developed some theories about, about broccoli in particular. I have a theology of broccoli, if you'll just entertain me uh, for a minute. It's kind of related to this. I've decided, because I don't like broccoli, that broccoli is either the result of the fall of man and <laughs> sin entering the world, uh, or there's, there's something that, that God might be teaching us through it. Okay, we, we had broccoli. We try to have broccoli once in a while to try to be healthy. We steamed it at our, at our house and then we ate, and then we left, and came back later, and the whole house smelled, okay? If you're a broccoli lover, then you can just dismiss this, this random rant. Um, I think it's one of these many God-given natural reminders that we sow with things that may not taste very good in the temporary, but they are healthy. They produce health down the road. Whether it's broccoli or something else, right? There are some things in our lives that are harder to do, that don't taste good in the moment. But later on, they produce health for us. And I think God has given us very natural reminders of that, in addition to Scripture, which is covered in this idea. What we invest in, that's the thing that we're going to see fruit of. There is a fruit, there is harvest that comes from a life of godly wisdom. Remember that Proverbs 8, how it put it? It talked about life and wisdom. It also talked about death. If you hate godly wisdom, you love death. And that's what's before us, guys. When we pursue godly wisdom, we experience that life. Maybe not the awesome life that some might paint on a book cover, but the abundant life of following Jesus Christ. He is the ultimate source of our wisdom, of godly wisdom. So why don't you guys stand up with me, if you would. We've been trying to do this some. We forgot last week, which was totally my fault. But I want to bring us back to the central passage of uh, this James that we've been talking about. Because it's so applicable. Talking about being doers of the word and not just hearers. Because this is the key to living out this wisdom and seeing its fruit in our lives. Okay? So let's read this out nice and boldly in your best reading voice together. Ready? Be doers of the word, and not hearers only, louder, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself, and goes away, and at once forgets what he looks like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. Nice job. He will be blessed in his doing. 
when we do the word, when we live it out, when we seek wisdom from God. So who is wise and understanding among you? Go ahead, everyone. Raise your hand up. It's okay. It's okay. Raise it up. Come on. You are wise and understanding. You can raise it. You are wise and understanding if you put these things into practice. If you seek God's wisdom with humility, we walk humbly with our God. If you link arms with others in a community that loves Jesus and is living for him and not self, we will experience this fruit in our midst and in our lives. You guys can sit down. I was really hoping for more hand raises there than I got, but that's okay. I'll write that down for next time. Okay, I have a couple challenges for you guys. The first is this. If, if you don't know Jesus, I just invite you to explore Jesus with someone. You can write it on your Connect card. You can read about the life of Jesus. But he is the source of wisdom, of life. And we can experience it. We really believe that. We can experience a depth of life that the world does not have to offer through a relationship with him. I invite you to explore Jesus. And for everyone here, I just challenge you guys to read the book of Proverbs by Thanksgiving and pray every day from now until Thanksgiving for wisdom. Ask God for wisdom. Okay, I looked at it, and some days you'd have to do more than one chapter a day, but for the most part, it's one chapter a day. Take some time, read Proverbs all the way through, and ask God for wisdom believe God will meet you and speak to you and challenge you from that. Okay, so now we're going to have a time for reflection for you guys. We're going to give you guys a few minutes uh, before we do some more uh, worship songs. I just want you guys to pray about these questions here, okay? The first is, how am I tempted to embrace false wisdom? We'll leave these up for you guys too. What are the temptations in my life in terms of false wisdom? The earthly the unspiritual, maybe the lies of the devil. How am I tempted to embrace those things? Second question is, what is my posture toward a true wisdom? And do I have a humility? Do I have a hunger for it? Do I think I, I've arrived and I know it all? Or do I have a desperation for God's wisdom in my life? And then lastly, how might God be calling me to action? Are there steps in my life that I could take right now to put God's word into practice? Maybe it's just seeking God's wisdom or counsel on certain things, decisions in my life, things I'm wrestling with. Maybe it's something else. Like you feel like God is calling you to take a step to obey and put into practice, which is one of the main messages of James. How might God be calling me to take action? All right, I'm gonna pray for you guys and then you'll have a few minutes to reflect on those things. Lord, thanks again for this morning. Thanks for your word and uh, Thank you for wisdom that comes from you. Uh, thank you, God, that you have not just uh, left us here to flounder on this planet and try to find our way uh, through it, through life, and hope we come out on the right end, God, but you've given us a clear path uh, that we can walk intimately with you and follow you and seek you uh, for wisdom. Even when things are hard in our lives, we can cry out to you and, and you uh, bless us. You give uh, wisdom without finding fault, and we thank you for that. I pray that we be a people who... Um, 
do not cling to the wisdom from the world, but we would be a people who cling to true wisdom, wisdom that is from above, and we experience that fruit uh, of righteousness and peace in our lives. We love you. Thanks for this time. Pray you'd speak to us now, even as we reflect. In Jesus' name, amen.